Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you've got a story to share, please do so by visiting adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that by giving online and help us bring messages like this one to you each and every week. Today's message is from our series called We the People, in which we're discovering the purpose that you and I have while our nation looks to someone else to provide answers during this election year. That's right. What if we're waiting on someone else to repair something that you and I have been called to confront? Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Together, we accomplished what nobody thought was absolutely possible. Donald Trump is temperamentally unfit to be president. In the economy, it only added 38,000 jobs. That's the worst monthly job gain in six years, September 2010. Today, Orlando became the tragic scene of the worst mass shooting in American history. We begin with breaking news in Dallas, Texas, where at least five police officers were killed when they were ambushed by at least two snipers. We're getting new images of the recent U.S. airstrikes against ISIS and Libya. The Pentagon just now releasing this video. Uh, but that's not stopping ISIS from planning on uh, staging more attacks. Hillary Clinton turned the State Department into a private hedge fund. We all need to keep working toward a better, fairer, stronger America. Today we're starting a series called We the People, as you just saw a video a few minutes ago. But how many of you are enjoying this election season? If you're just like, I, I, I eat it up, I read everything, I love it. Come on, not many of you. Well, that's good. Well, there's a few of you. Come on, be honest. You, you watch it. You're, you're all about it. How many of you watch like all the debates and the primaries and you were all interested in all that, right? So some of you, how many of you hate it? You're like, I'm ready for this to be over and done with and just be done. You know, how many of you have decided who you're voting for already? You're like, so let's just kill it. You know, I already know who I'm voting for. So let's end the whole thing. How many of you think that church and preachers should just stay away from everything political this morning, right? And you're like, what is he doing? What is he going to talk about? But here's the deal. The reality is, is like, we want to talk about things here at Avenger Church that you talk about at home. Things that you talk about at your workplace, things that you engage people in conversation with, because that is what life is all about. We want to engage you and teach you what scripture has to say, and how do you navigate not just being married and being a parent and trying to follow Christ and how to pray, but how do you navigate these tough seasons, especially one like this, the political season that we're in. And so today, regardless of your political views, regardless of who you're going to vote for, I think we can all agree that we live in the greatest country in the world, right? We live in the greatest country in the world. The first service clap for that. I guess you're not as American and patriotic as they are, but we live in the greatest country in the world. Regardless of your views, you can have a view, right? Not every country you can have a view, not every place you have a, a vote that, that matters, that you can have a say in what happens in your leadership of your country. We live in the greatest country in the world, and regardless of your views on government, can we all agree that if we were to remove government, things would be a little chaotic, right? You may get to work a little quicker in the morning, but it's still going to be chaotic. If we were to remove that, that there's order that government brings. It brings stability. It brings authority. It brings rule to our nation and to our lives, and we need those to govern ourselves. And so regardless of all of those things, we can agree. We live in the greatest country in the world, and we can agree 
that if, it, if we were just to remove government altogether and just be done with it, that we would find ourselves in a pretty chaotic situation. But before we dive into the political arena today and kind of talk through some of these things, there are some foundational principles that I want you to know. And this is a lot of this is going to be very practical today, but I think it's good reminders, okay, for many of us that, that, that this is what we have to lay as a foundation before we go any further. Good reminders today. The first one is this, is that God established government. It was his idea. In Romans 13.1, it says this, everyone, look at your neighbor and say, that means you. That means you. Everyone must what? Submit, ooh, I don't like that word, to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Ooh, right? So regardless of who's in authority, the Bible says that you are to respect it, you are to submit to it, because God had a hand in it. And so it was his idea, it was his world, and we follow his rules. I don't know about you, but as a parent in my house, we got a few rules. And if you don't like it, you can move out, right? That's what we say. She's five, but hey, you know what? Get out. This is the way it is. This is my house. This is my rules. So you live by my rules. That's it. God says, this is my world. You are my child. These are my rules. This thing called government that you may or may not like, that you may or not want to engage with, guess what? It was my idea. And I have all authority, and I've given authority to people to rule over you. So he says, submit to that authority. He knew we needed it, and he demands we respect it. So regardless of what's going on in our world, regardless who is in leadership, God says, you, as my people, must respect it and must understand that I'm involved in it. Another, Jesus even took it a step further, and in Mark chapter 12, Jesus actually says, pay your taxes. Ah, what? Jesus, couldn't you have just left that out, right? The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus, the religious people, and they were trying to trick him, and so Jesus always was craftier than them, he was smarter than them, he figured out, and they said, so what should we do? Should we pay Caesar? Should we give Caesar what's his? And, or should we give it to God? What should we do? And Jesus said, hey, whose picture's on your money? He said, Caesar's. He says, well, give the Caesar's what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. Don't cheat either one of them. We're to submit to the authority. We're to, to give and to do what the Bible says. So Jesus actually says to pay your taxes. So God established government. He's in He's the one, it was his idea, and we must submit to it. Secondly, simple reminder this morning, you need to remember the foundation of this is that God is in control. (laughs) Regardless of what happens on November 8th, guess what? God isn't surprised. God wasn't caught off guard. He's not going to freak out. He's not going to end the world, at least we don't think so. If, if, If he does, I didn't predict it, okay? You know what I mean? But... But he's not. Listen to what, what Daniel says in 521. And, and this, this book was written under terrible rule. King Nebuchadnezzar was a terrible, ruthless murderer. If you did not follow his ways and worship him and submit to him, he would have you killed. And this is what Daniel says. He says, the most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. So Paul said the same thing, that God places these people in authority. In the Old Testament, even under harsh leadership, 
He says God's in control. Regardless of the outcome of the election, God is never caught off guard. He's never surprised. He's always poised. He's always steady. He's solid. He's in control. So when our world feels like it's spinning out of control, we must press into the one who is in control. And I think some of you just need that reminder this morning, that regardless of what happens in this political season, God's got it. He's got it. His purpose is not going to be, you know, undone. He's still going to accomplish his purpose for you. He's still going to accomplish his purpose for your family. Still going to accomplish his purpose for your kids. And the future is still in his hands. And the Bible says that he's created us and that we have a good future and a hope that's in him. So even if the nation falls apart, guess what? God never falls apart. Even when the nation can't provide for you in a way that you think it should, guess what? God's your provider. Even if health care isn't what you need it to be, guess what? God is your healer. He's in control. He's the one that we place our life in. That is the, one of the greatest benefits we have of being God's children, of being Christ's followers, that we can say, God, you got it. I know for me, I wrestle with that. I'm type A. I'm driven. I want to control things. And there's things in life that happen that are just simply out of your control. A couple weeks ago, I was struggling with something with that and just trying to trust God. And I was driving and I saw this sunset and I stopped enough to take a picture of it. And God just simply reminded me in that moment. He said, I created this. I got it. I got it. I got you. I got your future. Do you trust me or do you not? So regardless of what happens in the election November 8th, God's in control. We may not know what the future holds, but scripture says we know the one who holds the future. And so we trust in that, not in anything else. So today, understand, God established government. It was his idea. He expects us and commands us to submit to it and the authority that's in place. And we can do that because he's in control, because he's got it. Amen? So Christian and politics, how do we relate? What do you do in this political season and, and, and pursuing God and still being in, in the world, right? We're in the world, not of it. So how do we stay connected to the one who's in control and be a part of the process? Because I think we should. And the first thing is this, is as Christians, I think God expects us to pay attention, <laughs> to pay attention. You know, my kids, when they get scared or they don't want to hear it's bedtime, they try to hide. You know, if something's, you know, on TV scares them, they just bury their heads in the pillow, they close their eyes, and they just pretend like nothing's happening. And for them, that's good enough, right? They're like, hey, as long as I can't see it, I'm not afraid of it, right? And I think as Christians, we do that, that we, we get so disengaged with culture that we think if we can just kind of bury our heads in the sand, that it's all just going to be okay, Right? We can just hide out for a few week, more weeks and this whole process will be over and we can just go on with our lives. But God says, I think he wants us to pay attention. He wants us to be engaged in what's happening around us. And I think in order to be an effective leader, because we're all leaders when it comes to our faith and, and in this world, God's given you influence and he's given it to you to use for his purpose. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But to be an effective leader for Jesus, you've got to have knowledge about what's going on. You've got to understand what's happening in our world. In politics, we can't just pretend like nothing's happening. Otherwise, we look ignorant, and we look uneducated, and we look like, who are you to speak into my life? You don't have any clue what's going on in the world. We need to understand what's going on. I know people who literally have more knowledge about e-news than the news, right? 
I say, hey, what's going on in the Middle East? I don't know. Hey, what's going on with Kim Kardashian? Oh, let me tell you what's going on with Kim Kardashian. Let me tell you what's going on in Hollywood, right? We read all those magazines. We do that. We, we're engaged in culture, but not in maybe the issues that we need to know about. And guys, you're not off the hook either. Some of you have more knowledge about your fantasy football draft than you do of what's going on in our world and in our government. We need to be engaged in the process so we can be effective leaders for Jesus. So we got to pay attention. Second thing, simply today, is don't complain. (laughs) Don't complain. Christians should not be complainers, ever. We should never complain about something that we're not willing to involve ourselves with enough to bring change about it. It's one of the things I can't stand with my kids is when they whine and complain about stuff, right? That's my toy. This is mine. I get old school on them. I say, that's not your toy. It's my toy. I brought you into this world, right? I'll take you out of this world. Nothing in this house is yours. It's all mine. That is my toy. And then Riley's getting smart. She's like, and I'll say, I bought you that. She goes, no, you didn't. Grammy bought me this. I'll be like, oh, man, yeah, you got me. You got me there. You got me there. But we do that. But my, when your kids whine and complain about, you know, that you, you didn't make their mac and cheese just right and they're complaining. And I just go, you know what? Just be quiet. Eat what is on the table. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put you in bed, right? We start threatening them. I think God sometimes gets that way with us. Where we're just whining and complaining even in our prayers to him. Oh, God, why are they like this? Why are they like this? Why is this happening? What is this? When are you just going to come back and rescue us, Lord? Why, why, why? Wine, 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 wine. And I think God looks at us like we look at our own kids. He goes, just, just be quiet. Stop whining and complaining. Why don't you do something instead of just whine and complain to me? Why don't you be a part of bringing about the change that you want to see? So we can't be complainers. And just a side note, please, please, I like all of you. I want to stay friends with you on Facebook. Stop posting political stuff on Facebook. You aren't going to change anyone's mind. Right? Am I, oh, someone like that. That was where the amen, right? Listen, you're not. You're not. Am I going to change your mind today about who to vote for? Those of you who have made it up? No, you're not going to change your mind. So don't use that platform. And I'm going to talk about why in a little bit. But that's not the place. That's not the, 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 the opportunity for you to, to share those types of things because you're just making statements and you can't have conversations. And even if you can have a conversation and the thread starts to fill up on your feed, right? And everyone's chiming in, where's it going to go? Can they interpret your tone? Can they interpret your attitude? Can they understand your heart through that? No, so please don't. I don't want to unfollow you. I love that feature though, if you do. So don't complain about something you're not willing to change. And third thing is this. How do you involve yourself in the process? Vote for your values. You should vote. Listen, don't argue your values because arguing doesn't get anywhere. Vote your values. Listen, your opinion doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but your vote does. We live in a country where your vote matters and you can vote for whoever you want. In the values that you have, and I think as Christ followers, we should vote not our values, his values, what he values, what he would promote, what he would be about. So don't use your opportunity through whatever relationships you have, whatever social media you have to promote your opinion. Man, exercise your right to vote. Don't just make statements. Start conversations. 
We live in the greatest country in the world, and you can vote and endorse and support what's important to you, and your vote matters way more than your voice. So vote your values. Be engaged. When the opportunity comes, you should be registered. You should do those things. We need to know what's going on. And so moving forward today, some practical application, and this is really where the meat of the message is and where this series is going to be going over the next few weeks, is bottom line is this. When it comes to politics, we must view our politics through the lens of our faith and not our faith through the lens of our politics. Let me say that again. We must view our politics through the lens of our faith, our commitment to Christ, his word, what his desires are, and not our faith through the lens of our politics, where we go politics first, faith second. It's just not the way. You got to put your faith before your politics, before you are any Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Independent, Libertarian, libertarian, whatever you want to say you identify with, before you're that, you're his. If you're following him. You are a Christ follower first. And then I would say you represent your family, your your marriage, your kids, whatever, your church, your community. I would say the, the political party actually falls a little further down the list when it comes to what God views as important in our lives. So at the end of the day, faith is always going to trump politics. No pun intended there. I don't know why that, I promise that it's not even in my notes. I'm not going there at all. So the problem though with viewing everything through the lens of our political persuasion is we end up throwing rocks at the other guys, right? When we view everything through our political persuasion, well, well, this is it. This is this is my view, and we end up throwing stones, and we, and we end up throwing our opinion, and we end up throwing all these things at other people, and just when we're about to do that, Jesus starts to speak into this situation, and Jesus walks into these like tense, emotionally, politically charged situations, and he offers an alternative way of thinking and an alternative approach to how we should handle ourselves, and in Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus says this, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? And I love how he said friend, because you don't engage really in these type of heated conversations with strangers, at least hopefully you don't. Uh, Usually it's with people we know. He says, why would you look at the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? And Jesus says, Again, it's right out. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see clearly enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's saying, why do you focus on the speck in someone else's eye when you have a log in your own eye? And really, why we do that is because we believe we're right. No one thinks they're wrong, especially when it comes to their political views. Otherwise, you wouldn't have them, right? You think this is the right way to do it. This is the right values to believe in. This is the right person for the job. This is the right way to do it. And no one thinks they have a plank. No one thinks they have a log. And today I brought a log with me just to show you what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, how can you point out a speck in someone else's eye when you're walking around with this thing in your eye, 
Who are you before you deal with you to try to deal with someone else? What right do you have? He says you have no right. But see, most of us don't see the conflict between our faith and our politics. You go, well, the reason I am a Republican is because I'm a Christian. Right? The reason I'm on the far right is to promote righteousness. Right? We tie them together. And you go, well, I'm a Democrat because I have the same values Jesus had. Right? Jesus was all about feeding the poor. Jesus had 5,000 people and then gave them the leftovers. Right? I'm, Jesus was a healthcare dispensing machine. He gave away free health care all the time to people who couldn't get afford it themselves. That's why I embrace these things. Jesus said the rich to the rich young ruler, give away all of your money and give it to the poor. Right? That's what we do. See, it's not enough to say Bible first, politics second, because we can always find scripture to support our viewpoint. So it's got to be faith first. It's got to be Jesus first. It's got to be what he wants for me first, because no matter where you stand, you can find something in Scripture to support where you stand. We must put our faith first, politics second. Jesus said, the problem with this approach is when you start trying to tell everyone else how they should live and how they should view, and, 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 and without knowing them, without experiencing what they've experienced, he said, he said who are you to do that? Only hypocrites do that. He said, before you can go to them, you got to be willing to yank the plank, yank the log out of your own eye. He says, a hypocrite is someone who expects something of someone else that they aren't willing to do themselves. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to listen to someone else's views? Are you willing to accept things that, that you don't necessarily agree with? Jesus is saying, we all have the same issues here. We all think we're right. And before you start telling someone else that they're wrong and you're right, he said, you better go take a good, long look in the mirror. You see, when something about you bothers me, Jesus says, I need to take a long, hard look at me before bothering you. I think Michael Jackson had it right. He said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to be the one to change his ways. And when it comes to our faith, that's what God has always asked of us. Jesus says when you pull the plank, when you go to the mirror, when you examine yourself first before going out, he says, then you will be able to see clearly enough. But what, what, what do we do? We go, why do you see clearly? They're the ones who don't see clearly. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Go home, look in the mirror. Then, and only then, will you have the right to say anything else. Deal with the log in your own eye before you deal with the speck in someone else's. You see, the path to change in our country always begins with we, not they. The path to change in our country always begins with me, not they. You see, the problem is, is that we think it's, it's they the people. They need to change. The government needs to change. The Republicans need to change. The Democrats need to change, right? It's always they. And Jesus says, no, it's you. It's you. It's you. Before you point at they, you better take a good, long, hard look at you. 
And if the change we want to see happen in our country is going to happen, it's got to become we the people. My responsibility, my right to follow God, my decision to be the change that I want to see. You see, it's always been we the people, not they the people. But we's hard because we means I got to own up. We means I got to change. We means I got to start doing something different. And so this series is a lot less about what government can do and more about what God has called his people to do. It's a lot less about what we think is right and our opinion and more about what he says is right and what's his opinion. Because at the end of the day, if we do what he tells us to do, if we really become we his people and we start living like we the people, And if every Christian who identifies as a Christian in this United States of America would start being the people God has called us to be, it won't really matter what the government does. It won't matter. We have to be the people. So how do we do that? How do we put faith first? We're going to go through this whole series about discussing this. How do we become the people? How do we embrace the things that God wants us to do to bring about the change that we want to see? But simply today, how do you put faith first? The first thing, foundational, pray. You go, what do you mean? Pray. Of course I pray. No. Pray like this, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If then my people, okay, we the people, we God's people who are called by me will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Take the log out of their own eye, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. So God says, this is the approach you got to take with me when it comes to this whole thing and the nation and all that's going on. Humble yourself. Don't get puffed up on some agenda. Don't think that you're right and everyone else is wrong. He says, be humble when it comes to all these issues. Take the log out first. Humble yourself before me. Then it says, he says, pray. Do you pray for government more than you criticize it? Do you pray for political candidates more than you criticize them? Do you pray for wisdom for our current president? Do you pray that God would lead them, all those in authority over us, right? I'm preaching to myself here too. He says, you pray for them. You pray for them. And I can do a lot better job of that myself, but but praying for our government, praying for the leaders that God has established, that God has put over us, respecting them, submitting to the rulers and the authority, and realizing that at the end of the day, if I will humble myself, if I will pray for these people the way God instructed me to, that God will get involved in the process, that I trust him. How much time do you spend seeking God on behalf of our nation and the issues we're facing in our world? That's what scripture says for us to do. It says when we do that, with that approach and humility, it says God will hear us and God will get involved in the process. So we have to be willing to pray. And secondly, is we have to be willing to put people over politics. For us to get this thing right, to put faith first, you must be willing to put people first and politics second. And if you are a Christian and you identify as a Christ follower, 
You represent Jesus. So it's him first. I represent him more than any other area of my life. I represent him. He has given me that. Before a political party, before anything else, I represent Jesus. You know, Riley started kindergarten this week. It was an emotional day on Thursday. Uh, man, I was leading up. It was tough. And so it was the morning of, and uh, she was finishing up her breakfast, and I was downstairs on the couch reading, and she finishes up, and we were getting ready to leave in about 15, 20 minutes. She climbs up on my lap, and I said, are you so excited for today? I was like, I'm so excited for you. She's been just looking forward to starting school. And she says, yeah, I'm excited. And, and then she pauses for a second, and she says, but not that excited because I'm kind of scared too. And I was like, you don't have to go to school. We're going to homeschool you. You want to stay home with me? I'll take you to work. You know, we'll practice ABCs. I can do this, right? But I said, you know what? You're, you're going to be okay. And so I reminded her again, as we've been telling her, I said, God's with you. He loves you. You're strong. You're brave. You're going to do great. And I said, you've got you to gotta be willing to, to go through those uncomfortable times because God's going to use you. You're going to meet new friends today. You're going to see people who may be scared too, and you're going to befriend them. I said, you're going to do those things. You're going to be nice to people. You're going to listen to your teacher more than you listen to me, okay, right? We're reinforcing those values. Why? Because I want her to represent Christ, and I know the principal. She represents me, right? I don't want the principal calling me and going, hey, uh, your kid is acting a fool here. What are you going to do? Because she represents me. That's how we have to take this approach as Christ followers. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20 says this. For God was in Christ, this is the message, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's the message of, of Christ. That's the redemption message that God redeemed us, reconciled us, And it says this, and he gave us this message, wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave this message to you and me, to his followers. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Another translation says we are Christ's representatives. This is what convicts me. And that God is making his appeal to the world through you. says we speak for Christ when we plead come back to God so God has given you not a political agenda first and foremost he is giving you the message that changes people's lives for eternity he's giving you a message of hope real hope a message of lasting change a message that can save your neighbor's marriage a message that can save your neighbor's soul for eternity he says This is what we're about. So it's not about you. It's not about your views. It's about him. The best way I could say it is, is you have to live with this mindset that I'm a representative of him. I represent him in everything that I do. And so it's not about me. It's about eternity. Putting people first over politics means I say it's not about me. It's not my agenda. It's not about my opinion. It's not about my views. It's about eternity. And God has given us this message and he's making his appeal to the world through you and me. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33. He says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever, whatever you do, politics, work, family, whatever, 
you do. He says you do it all for God, for his glory. Don't give offense to the Jews or the Gentiles. That represented everyone. In those times, you were either a Jew, and if you weren't a Jew, you were considered a Gentile. He says, so don't give offense to anyone. Verse 33, Paul says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. Well, you go, that sounds silly. Why would he do that? He says, I don't do what's just best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. So that many will have an opportunity to meet their creator, to have real meaning, to have purpose, to find life and life to the full. So should you have an opinion when it comes to politics? Absolutely. That's your God-given right. That's your right as an American. Should you discuss your point of view and your opinions in the right time and the right place? Absolutely, you should. Should you make a point at the expense of losing influence? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Should you make a point at the expense of jeopardizing a relationship? Absolutely not. Why? Because people come first. Not politics. Not your opinion. Not your ways. People come first. And so if I lose my influence to lead them to the big picture, to lead them to the one who can really change their life, I've lost everything. So we should never give up influence unnecessarily, especially over a political issue, because we're God's people. We trust him regardless of what happens in the political world. Never make a point at the expense of making a difference. We've been called to make a difference, not to make a point. We've been called to put people first and ourselves, including our politics, second. And how tragic would it be to burn a bridge over something that doesn't really matter in the light of eternity? How tragic would it be if you gave up the influence you have that Christ has given you to represent him, to make his appeal through you over a political issue. Jesus always put people first, and he expects you and I to do the same thing. And as Jake and Vanessa come and we close out our time together this morning, I think we always have to remember this, because I get it. I understand where you're coming from. I have my own political views. I understand getting caught up in that culture. But here's what we have to remember. God never intended for the government to share the gospel. Never. That's your job. It's my job. And so why would you lose your influence to promote the gospel? The only message that can change anyone's life in order to promote your own political agenda. Why would we ever give that up for the sake of the gospel? We can't. And listen, we're all candidates. We've all been elected by Jesus to promote his gospel. He's making his appeal through you. We have the greatest campaign message ever. Love, hope, change, redemption, forgiveness, 
healing, eternity. There's no message greater than the one that we have. And God's saying, don't lose your platform to promote my gospel, my message, in order to promote your political views. We can't do it. We have to be willing to put people first. We have to be willing to be the people. We the people. We God's people. Willing to lay aside our own views, our own agenda, our own desires, our own opinions for the sake of the only message that can change the world. You see, the Bible says that you are the light of the world. That we are a city on a hill. That we're a beacon of light. A beacon of hope when there seems to be no hope. And we've been called to be his light. You go, well, the world's dark. It's tough. A little bit of light goes a long ways. And if everyone who claims statistically to identify as a Christian would become the people that God has called us to be, willing to turn our light on, willing to put faith over politics, willing to put people first, I believe we'd see the change we want to see. I believe this world would be a brighter place. I believe our children would have a brighter future if we, the people, would be the people God's called us to be. Because it's about we, not them. It's about me, not them. Be the change you want to see. Do the things that God has called us to do. And I think as the church, we should always be known more for what we're for than what we're against. That should be our message. And no enemy, no opponent has ever been one with anger. Has never been convinced through a Facebook post to change. Only love can change someone's heart. Only Jesus can do that. So today as we sing this song together, can we commit to put people over politics? Can we commit to be people that would put faith first? Can we commit in this politically charged season that we're in to set aside our own views and our own agenda and be willing to promote his message first and foremost and to do what we need to do to make sure that that gospel message is not compromised through our behavior and the way we live. And I believe if we're willing to be the light of the world, to be the change we want to see, that we'll see the change we want to see. I believe we'll see it. Would you stand with me today? And as we do this, I think maybe for some of you today, it's, it's just reminding yourself that he's in control, okay? He's got it. God's got this. That's a benefit you have as being his follower. He's got it. Right? Can we go back to some childlike faith and maybe have a kid venture thing where we say he's got the whole world in his hands, right? The whole wide world is in his hands. He ain't caught off guard. He's not going to be surprised November 8th. He's God. And let's make a commitment in our own hearts to say, God, help me to sacrifice my own views, to put aside my own desires, to promote the real message of hope and change that can change this world forever. To be willing to put faith first, to put people over politics. And I believe if the church of God will rise up and do that, if we're willing to shine our light bright for all to see, that we'll begin to see the change that we want to see in our country. Let's sing this song together. Let's commit this time to the Lord.